Hey, Christ community, hope you're doing well. I am so grateful to be a part of your spiritual journey today as we look into God's word and allow him to speak to us. So we're going verse by verse through this amazing, very important sermon that Jesus gave in Matthew chapters five to seven, known as the Sermon on the Mount. So far in this sermon, we've seen Jesus addressing some very personal and challenging topics like divorce and lust and murder and loving our enemies. I mean, this is not easy stuff to look at, much less actually do. But Jesus goes there because the nature of his kingdom is to transform every area of our lives, including perhaps the most personal and challenging area of all, our money. In the passage that we're looking at today from Matthew 6, 19 to 24, Jesus addresses the issue of money. Now, let's be honest. When we come to a passage where Jesus talks about money, often our instinctive response is either dread or defensiveness. You know, we tend to see these passages as a knife-wielding threat, you know, something to avoid. But here's the cool thing. When we open our heart to what Jesus is saying, we suddenly realize that Jesus is not wielding a knife, but a scalpel. His words have the power to heal and to bring greater levels of joy and freedom and life if we choose to heed them. Okay, so let me read this portion of scripture, Matthew 6, 19 to 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is God's word. Okay, so in this passage, we see Jesus addressing the issue of money, but he's actually addressing something more than that. The word translated money in that last verse, the word is literally the word mammon, which is not the same thing as money. What mammon refers to is a broader category than money. Mammon refers to our money as well as our possessions. So mammon refers to the things that we own as well as the money that we have. And so what Jesus is highlighting in this passage and in other passages as well is that our money and possessions, they have a power in our lives. There is an attachment that happens in the human heart toward our money and our possessions. And as we're going to see today, this attachment has a huge influence in our lives. Okay, so what Jesus does in this passage is issue two commands, one negative command and then a positive command. So let's start with the negative one first. Jesus says in verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now, the language used here by Jesus is a very strong warning. The grammar of Jesus' words literally means stop storing up treasures on earth. Now, to store up treasures 
on earth, to store for ourselves treasures on earth, is, is this idea of spending and accumulating and, and, and consuming for self. Another word for what Jesus is describing here is greed. Greed is this natural tendency for our hearts to revolve around what we consume, what we purchase, the money we have. And what Jesus wants us to realize is that greed is a heart issue. Jesus describes this so powerfully in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Greed has nothing to do with how much or how little we have. Greed can be, can be just as fully alive in a person who has very little as well as in a person who has a lot. Greed is what happens when our heart attaches to mammon, to things, to possessions, to money. Now, there are two specific things Jesus mentions here that greed does in our lives. First, Jesus says that greed blinds us. Look at the next verse, verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? See, for Jesus, the eye and the heart are similar concepts. What you set your eyes upon is what you treasure. And if your eye is unhealthy, he says, and in other words, it's, it's set on earthly treasure, you will experience spiritual darkness. Okay, so what does he mean? Well, Jesus is highlighting the fact that greed is really hard to see in ourselves. I'm guessing that if I were to ask 100 Christians to list the, the top three sins that they struggle with, greed would not make anyone's list. It's not that we don't struggle with greed, it's that we don't see it in ourselves. So why don't we see it in ourselves? It's because we often use other people as our gauge, right? I mean, we all know people who make more money than we do and who spend it more extravagantly than we do. And we look at them and we think to ourselves, oh, they're really greedy. greedy. They're, they're, they're really greedy based on the kind of car they drive or the house they live in or the number of homes they own, the things they purchase. We determine that they are greedy. So we easily see greed in other people, but not in ourselves. So let me change the paradigm a bit. Statistics reveal that right now in our world, there are 2 billion people that live on less than $2 a day. 2 billion people. So let's say that one of them, we, we find one of them, we fly them over to the United States to Greeley to shadow us or wherever you're watching this to shadow you or me for a whole day. And so for that whole day, they are shadowing us and they're watching how we spend our money. They see us spend $8 to get dirt off of our car. They see us spend $14 for a cheeseburger and fries at the Independent Stampede. What a total ripoff. They see us using a phone that costs several hundred dollars. They see us driving a car or living in an air-conditioned house or apartment, having plenty of food in the pantry and fridge. See, what do you think would be going through their mind as they're watching how we spend our money? What would they think of how we spend 
our money. Now look, this is not about feeling guilty. Please hear me. It's not about feeling guilty for the blessings God has provided for us. Not at all. But this is about us honestly asking ourselves, how attached is my heart to these things? How honestly are we willing to look at our spending habits and ask ourselves how much of our spending is driven by self-centeredness? How much of my life is built around consumption and comfort and immediate gratification? But we're often not asking those questions of ourselves, are we? I mean, greed blinds us. We, we don't see it in ourselves, and honestly, we don't want to see it. Many of us watching this sermon have in our lives accountability partners, people who are checking in with us about our sexual purity or how we're doing with our spouse and our relationship with our spouse or whatever, which is awesome. It's awesome. But I'm, wonder, I'm just wondering, how many of us have account, accountability partners in our lives who are regularly asking us about how much money we're spending on ourselves? who are regularly checking in with us about how attached our heart is to accumulating and consuming and purchasing things. See, I'm guessing that none of us have that, that none of us have that. Why not? Is it because we don't struggle with greed? Or is it because we don't see this as a problem in our lives? Greed blinds us. Which leads to the second problem with greed. Jesus says that greed binds us. Greed binds and restricts us from experiencing peace and contentment and joy and freedom and life. I mean, this is what Jesus is getting at in verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. See, notice the language Jesus uses here. It's the language of devotion and serving. Whatever we are devoted to, that thing becomes our master. It controls us. Whatever your heart is attached to, whatever it is that you treasure, that thing controls and influences your choices your decisions, your values, your priorities. And this is especially true with our money and our possessions. Our, our heart has this natural gravitational pull toward money and things. It just does. And the reason is because of what we're hoping that these things will somehow provide for us. So for some of us, we look to money and things to provide a sense of security. If I just have this amount in my retirement funds, if, if I could just make this particular salary, if I could finally own a home or whatever, I, I will then be able to relax and enjoy life. But it doesn't work that way. The more we trust, the, the more we put our trust in having money, the more anxiety we experience. I recently read a, an article about some ordinary guys who recently hit it big by buying some stock in GameStop a few months ago when GameStop, GameStop stock was going crazy. So they, they had huge gains. Um, but guess what? Now, this article talked about how now they're battling with anxiety as they worry about losing what they gained. I mean, the, the, the ironic reality is 
the more money we have, the less secure we feel. This is not a financial issue. This is a heart issue. Where are we putting our trust? Jesus says you cannot put your trust in both God and money. You've got to choose which one is going to be your Lord, which one you're trusting in. And let me just remind us, money makes a lousy God. It doesn't care about you. It can leave you in a moment's notice. As Jesus says in verse 19, our money and possessions can be stolen. They can be destroyed. They can be eaten by moths or by rust. Everything we think is so awesome right now will be in a junk heap in a hundred years. Why place our security in things? Why would we place our trust and our security in things? It, it, it only leads to anxiety and fear and discontent. Another thing we look to money and possessions to provide is satisfaction. We think that that Amazon Prime purchase is going to satisfy or that new car or new phone or second home or whatever. And it feels good for a little while, but then our restless, our restless hearts start looking for something else. We can become addicted to purchasing things because of the dopamine hit we get when our Amazon Prime package arrives, but in a few days, we're looking for something else to buy. Solomon, who was arguably the richest man who ever lived on this planet, he wrote these words in the Bible. This is what he says. I undertook great projects. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. He's buying everything he can, and he can buy anything. So notice what he says, though. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. That's amazing coming from the wealthiest man on earth. He had everything a person could want, but he still felt empty. We hope that having the newest and best whatever will satisfy us. We hope that a growing savings account will satisfy us, but they don't. It's never enough. But when our heart is set on these things, we will just keep chasing after the wind. I just need a little bit more, then I'll be happy. It's chasing after the wind. Just being honest, you know, but I've noticed how looking at how my retirement accounts have grown over the last year, they've done pretty well. Looking at that fills me with a greater measure of comfort and yet also an insatiable desire for more. What is that about? Well, Jesus shows us what that's about. It's about my heart. In addition to security and satisfaction, the other thing we look to money and possessions to provide is significance, right? I mean, the clothes we wear, the neighborhood we live in, the vacations we go on, the car we drive, the jewelry we wear. We think that these things can make us feel better about ourselves, to feel more more valuable, more important, more respected by other people or whatever. But they, but, but they actually bring us under their power. The things we own end up owning us. 
robbing us of joy and freedom and life, influencing our decisions, taking more and more of our time, having to work more and more hours so we have less and less time with family or friends. I mean, this is the insidious nature of greed and why some of Jesus' strongest warnings in Scripture are focused on this issue. Greed blinds us and it binds us. And often we are willing participants. And here's Jesus' point. If we don't intentionally do something about this, we will just continue to be swept along in the current of our culture's love affair with material things and consumables, trying to find security and significance and satisfaction in our money and our things. And we will miss the life Jesus calls us to experience. Okay, so let's shift gears and talk about the positive command Jesus gives. He says, don't store up treasure on earth. Instead, Jesus says, store up treasure in heaven. See, this is the positive command that he gives in verse verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Okay, so what does Jesus mean when he says store up treasures in heaven? What, what, What he's talking about is something intentional we can do to lessen our heart's attachment to things and to money. See, that's what we need. If our natural tendency is to build our lives on consuming and spending on ourselves and thus attaching our hearts to those things, then we need something that can help us detach our hearts from this way of living. So what can fuel our detachment from the pull of mammon? Well, the answer to that question is alluded to in this passage, but later on in the book of Matthew, we see Jesus articulating a more complete answer. And he does so in a conversation with someone who struggled with greed. So in Matthew chapter 19, a young man who had great wealth came to Jesus and asked him how he could experience eternal life. And Jesus initially mentions a few commands for him to follow, and the young man asserts that he's done all those things. So Jesus then pulls out his scalpel, and he goes right to this young man's heart. If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. Notice how Jesus uses the same language from Matthew 6 about treasure in heaven. He is urging this young man to store up treasure in heaven. How? Through radical generosity. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. That's Jesus' advice to this young man who has all the wealth he needs. And yet he's still dissatisfied. He, he wants to find real life. And Jesus says to him, if you want to find real life, you've got to free your heart from its attachment to things and to wealth. And the way to do that, Jesus says, is through intentional and radical generosity, letting go of it, giving it away. What, what Jesus is describing is more than simply random acts of kindness And this is more than an occasional gift given to the Lord's work. Jesus is inviting this young man and us into a life in which generosity, not greed, generosity is actually at the center of who we are and how we live. 
Jesus says, this is how our hearts break free from the power and the pull of greed and the fear and anxiety and emptiness it produces. This is how our hearts can become more detached from a vacuous life of consuming. It's through the practice of radical generosity. Now, by radical, I'm simply talking about a generosity that actually makes us uncomfortable. See, this is where this passage, just being honest here, this is where this passage got really uncomfortable for me personally. See, usually most sermons on the rich young ruler spend a good deal of time explaining how what Jesus said to this man couldn't possibly be meant for us. But I wonder if that reflects more of the blindness that we talked about earlier, our inability or our unwillingness to really look at our own greed. We don't want to see ourselves as this young man in this story. So we tell ourselves that he's in a unique category, but is he? Even poverty level in America is wealthy compared to most of the rest of the world. So what if we didn't view this young man in a unique category? What if we put ourselves in this story and we let Jesus speak to us about our money and our things? What if we let Jesus speak to us specifically about the things to which our heart is attached And what if we let him call us into a deeper experience of generosity, regardless of how much or how little we have? Again, generosity, this is not about how much or how little we have. This is about our hearts. What would that look like if we let Jesus invite us into that experience of growing generosity? Well, here's where this passage has been taking me. I'm still very much in process, but there are two areas. First is my possessions. This passage in Matthew 19, as well as Matthew 6, these passages have made me look at my closet and wonder, why do I have so many shirts? I like all of them. I don't want to let go of any of them. But that's the problem, isn't it? My heart has grown attached to these things in a way that is not healthy for me. It's not healthy for my soul. So the other day, because of just wrestling with this passage, I decided to go through my closet, and I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but I removed 40 shirts and sweaters from my closet to give away to the ark. And many of them I didn't want to give away because I like them even though I hadn't worn most of them in a long time, I still didn't want to give them away. What is that? What is that? Why am I struggling to give away shirts that I don't even really wear? I mean, there was one Gap pullover in particular that I really love, and I felt like I needed to give that away as well, so I did, and it was really hard. And I hate that it was really hard because it reveals this tendency in my heart to attach to things, to cling, to hold on to. This is what God is doing in my heart as I've been wrestling with what Jesus is saying in this passage. 
I feel like my closet is just a starting place that Jesus is going to continue to be inviting me into other specific areas of my life where my heart has grown too attached to things. And he will be asking me to follow him by releasing these things to someone who needs them more than me. Now, the other aspect of this that I'm personally wrestling with before the Lord is my budget. You know, I've sort of prided myself on how faithfully I tithe 10% to our church and how Raylene and I also give to other missionaries and other people ministering in parachurch ministries. But even if our giving is like 12% of our income, I'm wondering, why do I live as though the other 88% is off limits to God? Why do I so easily fall into this mindset that I've somehow arrived at a generosity level that I'm comfortable with? I mean, if I'm reading Jesus' words correctly here in Matthew 19 and also in Matthew 6, I don't get the feeling that Jesus is interested in me pursuing a generosity that's comfortable. I get the feeling that he's challenging me to continue to detach my heart from money and that that detachment probably looks like a regular and honest assessment of where I'm spending my money and how I'm even making those decisions. I mean, why can I so easily, just again, being totally honest here, why can I so easily add a monthly streaming subscription to my current viewing options, television streaming, you know, to those options? Why can I just immediately do that without even asking the Lord if this is something I really need? But then when someone asks me to give to something, I instinctively hesitate. Oh, let me, let me pray about that. <laughs> I mean, what does that reveal about my heart? Disney Plus, yes. Giving, uh, not sure. I mean, what if I actually looked at my budget through a lens of joyful generosity, strategically thinking about how I could free up more resources to give to kingdom needs, rather than focusing my heart on expanding my own kingdom stuff, accumulating more for me. I was talking with a friend about this who admitted that she always has a wish list on Amazon Prime. She's always thinking about how to spend money that she doesn't even have yet. And that got me thinking, what, what would it say about our hearts if we had a generosity wish list? If we had a list of people or needs that we really wanted to give to. And so we start looking for any way possible to free up financial resources so that we could give to that need or that person because we want to. I mean, honestly, there's something exciting that begins to get stirred when we view our things through a kingdom lens, through a Jesus lens, when we begin thinking and dreaming about how we could reorient our lives, not around greater levels of consumption, but around greater levels of generosity. I mean, suddenly our whole perspective changes. We start to realize that not only is greed making our lives comfortable, you know what? It's also making our lives boring. It's making our lives boring, building our own kingdom rather than the adventure of building Jesus' kingdom. 
I mean, th- th- this is beyond simply the principle that 10% is God's or whatever percentage you want to put in there. The reality is it's all his. It's all his. In fact, let, let me say this another way. A true disciple of Jesus doesn't own anything. If you are a follower of Jesus, technically, you don't possess anything. I mean, maybe your name is on the title or the account, but that thing, that amount of money is ultimately not yours. Every shirt that remains in my closet, and there are still plenty, every dollar in my savings account is not mine. These things belong to my Lord. They belong to God. We're just supposed to be managing his property in a way that reflects his heart and priorities. And the way we do that has a huge impact upon our own heart, upon our own experience of joy. So how are you doing in this area? How am I doing? And what does that say about our heart's attachments? In this passage, Jesus is daring us, urging us, warning us, inviting us, challenging us to take a good hard look at how we're spending our money and to take steps, to deta- intentional steps to detach our hearts from those things so that we can grow, not as a consumer, but as a giver and not out of guilt or obligation, but rather out of sincere devotion. Remember, friends, this is a heart issue. Jesus says where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. In other words, how we spend our money reveals what we ultimately treasure. How we spend our money reveals what we ultimately treasure. So what might it look like for you and me to treasure Jesus more and to treasure our things less. What exciting adventure awaits us as we courageously admit what greed is doing in our lives and we instead choose to orient our hearts around generosity. Let's pray. So I want to encourage you as you're watching this, I want to encourage you to take a moment to quiet your heart. And I want you to imagine Jesus is standing in front of you. Whatever your financial situation, Jesus is standing before you. If you're struggling or if you're doing well financially, Either way, just imagine that Jesus is standing before you. And what if he asks you this question? Just imagine him asking you this question. Where is your treasure? Where is your heart attached to money or things? And as he brings things to mind, just confess that to him. And now ask him, Jesus, what would it look like for me 
to detach my heart from those things. Maybe it's related to a specific area of possessions, or maybe it's just an honest look at your budget, your spending. What would that look like to detach your heart from these things? Lord, would you give us the courage to follow you in those intentional steps, those to explore intentionally how we can grow in our detachment from these things and our attachment to you. And, and finally, I want you to just ask this question with Jesus. If, if you allowed your heart to dream, I'm asking you this question. If you allowed your heart to dream, what would be on your generosity wish list? Something that you would love to be able to give more to. So Lord Jesus, we want you to be our ultimate treasure. We do. Forgive us for the ways that we've let our hearts become attached to things and to money. Give us the courage to take tangible steps to let go of some of our stuff, to detach our hearts from these things in order to treasure you more and to set our hearts free to truly live Thank you, Jesus, for what you're speaking to us. Give us the courage to follow you and then the joy of the freedom that that brings, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.